everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Messages from the other side. If you believe in them, if you've experienced them, you may have noticed they come in many forms. Sometimes the message is obvious, telling you to get out, or that you should be afraid. But sometimes the messages aren't so clear, and sometimes they take some real investigating. You'll need to call in reinforcements, someone who's experienced in dealing with and interpreting the previously unrevealed messages. And thank goodness for those people, the ones willing to address the things that most will dismiss. And tonight, we'll hear a few stories that show us just how useful vital these individuals can be. So, let's get started, shall we? This is a story that happened to me four years ago when I was in university. I was 19 and my campus was old, so old that it was known to be haunted. By known, I mean we always had ghost hunters and paranormal investigators interested in our campus. Our campus was small, too. It used to be a neighborhood in the 1800s. The buildings are historic now, and the neighborhood is the campus. So the classes, everything, is held in these old mansions. You could ask anyone, and we all have haunted stories to tell you. But I was well into my second year and hadn't yet experienced anything. So, I didn't believe it. My friend had bought a tarot deck, and she claimed to communicate with the spirit she came into contact with. Now, at the time, I was fairly religious and didn't feel safe with the tarot, but she promised me that it was fine. Yet, the readings were always so negative. Anyone who came for a reading got the most negative outcome. Boyfriend hasn't replied to you in an hour. He's cheating. You failed your test. You might as well drop out. She also didn't cleanse or do protection. But again, I was a doubter, and I hadn't experienced anything. Until November 7th, at 3 a.m. I stayed up late all the time talking to my friend. We ended the call at 2.30 a.m. I shut the lights off and was just scrolling on my phone. And I heard three loud knocks at exactly 3 a.m. It wasn't from the wall. It was on my bed frame. There was no logical explanation for it. This continued every night, at exactly 3 a.m., for a week. I was convinced I was crazy. Eight days later, it's 2.59 a.m., and I waited. The clock turned to 3 a.m. No knock. Hmm, weird, I thought. But I was glad whatever it was left. I closed my eyes for one second and heard a soft woman's voice. Hello? Can you hear me? I shot out of bed and flicked the light on. Fuck this, fuck this school, fuck this room. I was terrified. I ran to my friend's room and she let me sleep on her floor. The next day my roommate came to me and told me that she was spooked the other night. She says, I was laying in bed reading... And I look up, and a woman 
in an 1800s dress was staring at me. We brought a medium to read our room, and she told us that a portal had been opened. She said our tarot friend was not doing proper protection. Therefore, the spirits in our very active area were attracted to our reading and us. She said the spirit was not particularly negative, but was a woman who died young and did not live a fulfilling life. She could not pass on. We ended up cleansing the area. The medium helped the spirit move on. She was able to close that portal for us, too. We never had problems after that. So this happened a couple of nights ago. Me and my friend were drinking and doing farm kid stuff. It was around 3 a.m., and we were pretty drunk at this point. My friend went inside and left me and her dog outside so she could go to the bathroom. My friend and her mom live on about three and a half acres of property with lots of trees around it. And, well, I needed to pee. So I was like, hey, to hell with it. I'll piss behind the tree. While I was doing my business, and my friend's dog's hackles go up, she takes off running towards the trees, growling and barking. I call her over and over again, and she's still growling and barking. But then all of a sudden, she lets out this whine and comes running back with her tail between her legs. I pull her to the door into the light, and when I look back, I see something white running on all fours across the property. It didn't notice me, and I acted like I didn't see it, but I pulled the dog inside and went to bed. My friend's window faces where the thing ran, and I didn't sleep much that night. I heard heavy breathing at some point, but acted like I was still asleep. I don't know what me and the dog saw, but it wasn't human. And it scared us both because she wouldn't even go near where we saw the thing. What did we see? This was about five or six years ago when I was a freshman in college. I lived with my uncle James and his girlfriend Terry and Terry's three kids. The oldest, Julia, was 15. The younger girl, Carrie, was 13, and the younger boy, Chris, was 10. These stories are about the kids, mainly Chris. The way the house was laid out was strange. When I moved in, there wasn't enough room for me to have my own space. There were only two bedrooms on the kids' side of the house. The girls shared one, and I shared with Chris, since he had a sleepwalking issue. We had bunk beds, and I always slept on the top. Now, onto the stories. Chris would sleepwalk every night. I usually managed to catch him before he would leave the room, and I'd tell him to go back to bed. He would listen, and that would be that, usually. Sometimes I would be up late, as I was a college student trying to do my work. On those nights, I would hear things that didn't make sense. The whole house was carpet except for the dining room, which was right outside of our bedroom. The door was always open since Chris was terrified of the dark. 
and also because Terry had a baby monitor plugged into the dining room. They wouldn't be able to hear us call for them otherwise. One night, I was sitting on my bed reading when I heard what sounded like nails skirting across the dining room. It sounded like a dog or some other animal had just dashed across the room. We didn't have any pets. I immediately looked up, but it was dark and I couldn't see anything. I felt something squeeze my chest, but brushed it off as fear. I told myself I imagined it. I went back to reading, only to hear the pitter-patter of nails run right across the doorway. If something had run by, I would have seen it, but nothing was there. I felt afraid again, but decided that I wasn't going to be afraid. I'd always been taught that I have nothing to fear with my faith. So I said out loud, if you're trying to scare me, it won't work. And then I went back to reading. I didn't hear anything else. A few nights later, I woke up to Chris whispering below me, I don't want to. Please don't make me. I immediately sat up and twisted to look down at him. He was starting to get up to head to his sister's room, which was on the other side of the dining room. I called his name and he stopped. I called him again and he turned and said my name. I was relieved as he only ever said my name when he was awake. He never called me when he was asleep. I told him it was late and to go back to sleep. He slowly ambled back to the bed and I asked him who he was talking to. He shrugged and said, the man, before laying back down and going to sleep. I stayed up to make sure he didn't get up again. As I sat in bed, there was a knock on the window right next to my face. The bunk beds were placed right against them. I hurried to pull open the curtain, but I didn't see anyone. This was strange for a few reasons. One, we had motion-activated floodlights that were very sensitive, so they would have been on if someone was there, but they weren't. Two, the windows opened to the garage port, and there was no one in the driveway. It was an open garage, so I would have seen them. I opened the curtain not even a second later. I told myself that it was James playing a prank, but I knew that wasn't true. The security system announced any time a door was open, so sneaking out was impossible. I told myself to ignore it, and I went back to bed. The very next night, I was sitting on the floor as my Kindle was charging and I couldn't sleep. I was sitting directly across from the beds. It was maybe 1.32 in the morning when Chris bolted upright and opened his mouth wide. He didn't utter a sound, but I could see the veins in his neck bulging as he tried to scream. I was so worried and I tried to hurry over to him, but before I could, he closed his mouth and turned to me. With his eyes still shut as he slept, he told me, See, that's the man I told you about. My first thought was the knock on the window. Chris flopped back down and didn't say anything else, but I felt something cover the room. I was sitting next to the cupboard that no one used. We didn't put Chris's toys in it, 
We didn't put any clothes, nothing. It was maybe one and a half by two feet, so tiny. But it felt dark in a way that frightened me as I sat a mere three feet from it. I hurried up and went to lay down. I couldn't shake the strange feeling all night. It was summer, and the girls and I would sometimes stay up all night talking and watching movies while Chris slept. One night, we were all tired, so we went to bed early. The next morning, Terry asked the girls and I to try not talking so loud, as she had to work and couldn't sleep since she'd heard us talking on the baby monitor. I shared a look with the girls, confused. They told Terry that we weren't up late, that we were all asleep. She didn't believe us, and she had James confirm that they heard girls talking over the monitor the night before. We insisted, and finally, they believed us. Terry figured that maybe signals had crossed, and she'd see about getting a different monitor. She never listened when we tried to tell her all that we had witnessed and heard. One night, I was unable to wake in time to stop Chris from going to his sister's room. I woke to Carrie freaking out. I ran over to try to calm her and figure out what was going on. Chris was standing by her bed as she panicked. She started telling me through tears that she woke up suddenly because she felt like she couldn't breathe, and she saw Chris just standing and staring at her. She said she tried to say something, but couldn't, and so she tried to scream. She says that Julie woke up and called her name, and that she could breathe after that. That was when she started yelling for me. I calmed her down and got all the kids back into bed. I stayed up the rest of the night and made sure they were all okay. I never missed Chris wandering off after that. I was too afraid to sleep deeply at all in case he slipped away again. One day my older sister came over and it was just her, me, and the kids that were home. We were all bored so we decided to play hide and seek. The house was big enough. We made the rule that no one could go into Terry and James's room as that would be cheating. Everything was going great for a while. James got home in the middle of me seeking. I had found Julie and Chris in the living room and went to the kitchen. For some background, the kitchen had a pantry with a doorknob that was jammed and we never got around to fixing it. In the pantry was the door to the attic. The light switch, for some reason, was in the top left of the doorway. So to turn on the light, your hand would have to be a foot from the attic entrance. We all tended to avoid the pantry if possible, as we had felt strange whenever we were inside of it. That being said, apparently my sister and Carrie decided to dash in there moments before I got to the kitchen. I walked in just as James leaned against the pantry door to shut it completely before releasing it. Carrie and my sister pounded on the door, yelling that it wasn't funny. James laughed and got off the door to open it. Only he couldn't. The knob had jammed again. James and I could hear the change in their voices. I'll never forget the pure terror in their screams as they begged to be let out. I can still hear James cursing as he twisted and twisted at the knob, trying to get it open. I rushed over to help. I don't know how long it took, but it felt like an eternity to get that door open. 
James ended up breaking the entire doorknob off and rushed Carrie and my sister out of the pantry. They were both sobbing and panicked to the point we couldn't understand anything they were saying. It took a while for them to calm down enough to understand why they were so afraid. They both said that when they heard James lean on the door, they got scared, so my sister reached up to turn on the light. She says that when she did, they both saw the door to the attic was open. Carrie and my sister swore up and down that they saw a hand with claws stretching out before the light went out. That was when they began screaming. They were so shaken that James didn't doubt them for a moment. He grabbed a chair and a flashlight and went to the attic. He opened it and examined every inch. James said he didn't see anything, but that he would block off the attic door. Until then, no more hiding in the pantry. We all agreed without question. But even after that, the knob was never fixed. We didn't want the door to be unable to open again. My sister told me before she left she was terrified of what might have happened if James hadn't come home. She wasn't sure we would have been able to get that door open. I only lived there for a semester before moving back home. According to Julie and Carrie, Chris's sleepwalking has only gotten worse. Keep in mind my experience happened six years ago now. I spent the night at my ex's place in a very rural small town outside of New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, called Westville. We were up very late watching UFC, probably 1 a.m., and I went into the back bedroom of the house on the second floor and happened to glance out the window towards the backyard. His backyard was long and rectangular in shape, and it had an embankment that sloped down to the tree line at the end of the yard, which was nothing but woods from beyond that point. When looking out the window, I noticed something very pale white crawling through the tree line. It immediately caught my eye, and I kept staring at it. I called my ex at the time to come in and look. We both got really quiet, and we came to realize that we weren't witnessing a creature that either of us could recognize. It was human-like in form, very skinny, purely pale, and crouched forward, with very long arms, and it would make a few movements forward, towards the yard, and then back deeper into the woods again. We had horrible phones back then. At the time, I had an old Blackberry, and his was no better. They both couldn't record what our eyes were seeing in the pitch black of night in the country. The only thing I could think of to do at this time was to call my older brother. He was interested in paranormal topics. I called him and described to him everything that we were seeing. And to this day, he doesn't disbelieve my accounts in any fashion. Something I said over and over to him on the phone was, It's not moving like a human. Its movements are really, really strange. They were almost spastic in nature. Nothing natural or orderly that I could make sense of or compare 
to how other mammals move. It made no noise that I could hear through the window. I was terrified, but watched this thing crawl around for a solid two hours. Years later, my brother found the more popular YouTube video of a crawler in the backyard of some guy's house, and he calls his preacher. That was so scarily similar to my experience that I got full-body chills, goosebumps, and I started to cry. It really, really hit me and solidified that we weren't somehow losing it or making it up, that we actually saw with our own eyes a crawler that night. What that man recorded is exactly what I saw a few years back. So even though I'm only one person... I can 100% say that that's the most legit video of a crawler on YouTube. Something else that was also really messed up about my experience that I have zero explanation for is that the crawler could be seen down on the left-hand side crawling around the tree line. But for a few moments, we saw a glowing deep yellow orb floating between the tree line. For a few moments. I'm wondering if there's any other accounts like this. As I've mentioned in my story, this was an ex, so we're no longer together and I have no idea if he continued to live there or ever saw such a sight again in his backyard. I've always been curious if it's still out there, and I often think about my experience as I can recall it in high detail, like it was yesterday. I'll never forget what I saw, not until the day I die. A short bit of context. I've always been obsessed with different time periods of history. When I was a kid... It was all about the wild, wild west, and then World War II, Civil War era, and the 1950s and 1960s. In my early 20s, which was about 1997, I lived with my ex, and she tolerated my obsessions so much so that our front room in a little house we rented was dedicated to World War II era. I literally went out of control with that room, it was a small family room type area, separate from the rest of the house. I made it so that if anyone walked in there, it would be like walking into the 1940s. I had a couple of high back sitting chairs, a small bar trolley, and all the furniture, telephone, radio, everything was from the 1940s. Whoever came to visit would often say that room looked like it should be a museum. Really, it was me scavenging around, looking for anything from that time period. There was even a local AM station that would play 1940s big band at a certain time, so I had the old Philco radio set to that station. One day, I think it was on a Saturday afternoon, my ex left her family to visit family that lived about four hours away. She decided to spend the weekend with her family, and I didn't go for some reason. That I don't remember. So I was home alone. And I wouldn't necessarily hang out in my 1940s room, but towards the evening, I ended up there, listening to my phonograph, 
made a cocktail and sat in the armchair. I don't know if I dozed off or what happened, but I shook myself awake like it was very strange. My heart was beating fast. The record was still playing, but everything looked hazy and in slow motion to me. I remember that I got up from the chair, stood up and looked outside. There was a light snow outside and it looked earlier in the day as it was still light outside, which was extremely odd because I lived in an area where it didn't snow. I walked over to the door and I noticed the outside looked very different, like not the street that I lived on. There was no one outside, no noise whatsoever. It was like I was watching a movie that was on mute or paused. I remember feeling like I was being compelled to walk outside, but I also felt like I couldn't or shouldn't. I don't know how to describe the feeling except that it was like I was in a Twilight Zone episode. So I backed away from the door and started looking out the window that was next to the door. And suddenly I realized that the cars that were in the driveway were old cars, like from the 30s. What happened next is a bit blurry still, but from what I remember, the record ended, and as I turned to look at the phonograph, everything changed, like back to normal. Even my sense of daze was gone, and the foggy slow motion that I had felt was gone. I turned back to look outside, and the street was darker, with the street light in front of my house on. No snow. My street was back to normal. I left that room almost in a panic, and for some reason, I went around the house looking for changes. I didn't find anything unusual. I went to our other den where everything was modern, and I turned on the TV just to clear my head. I got the sensation that if I walked outside, I would have left this time period. I know it sounds crazy, but it wasn't until years later that my ex and I saw that movie with Christopher Reeves, Somewhere in Time. That's when it kind of hit me a little bit. I'd never seen that movie prior to this incident, as I probably always assumed it was a girl's romantic movie, and that wasn't my thing. Lastly, I wasn't drunk, and never did any drugs, nor do I remember being super tired during that weekend. Nothing else really sticks out except for that incident. Seven years ago, my older sister passed away. She unfortunately took her own life. Her passing was extremely difficult on my family, especially my mother, who my siblings and I are very close with. There's nothing worse in life than trying to hold and comfort your mother while watching her whole world crumble and burn, knowing you yourself are dealing with your own trauma because I was the one who found her body that day. Two weeks after her death, she was cremated, and her ashes were divided three ways. Some went to my dad. My parents had been divorced since I was five. Some went into an urn for my brother, my mom, and I, and the rest went into a necklace for my mom. My mom and brother asked me if I wanted some of her ashes, but 
Part of me thought if I kept them, she wouldn't be completely free. So I chose not to keep some. About a year later, my brother was living in Oregon with his girlfriend, Ingrid. My mom decided to let my brother have my sister's ashes until he decided to move back to our hometown. One day, while they were rearranging their room, my brother, who always kept my sister's ashes on a dresser by his bed, put them in the closet so they didn't get knocked over while they were moving furniture. That night around 2 a.m., Ingrid said she had trouble staying asleep while my brother was knocked out beside her. She said she was laying there for about 10 minutes when out of nowhere she heard my brother mumbling something. Thinking he's awake, she turns on the light and sees that he's fast asleep. After a few minutes of looking at him and being slightly creeped out by his sleep talking, she turns off the light and lays back down. Another ten minutes go by, when out of nowhere, and clear as day, she hears my brother say, Take my sister out of the closet. She doesn't like it in there. She says she froze and was scared to turn on the light for a second time. She says she just lays there for a moment before gathering up the courage to turn on the light. To her surprise, she sees that my brother is completely asleep and drooling a little. She said her eyes immediately look at the closet that is closed. She says that she gets up, opens the closet, and sees my sister's urn on the shelf. She takes the urn and places it on the dresser where it was before they put it in the closet. The next day, when she's telling the story to my mom, she says that morning she asked my brother if he remembers anything about last night, to which he replies, no, I don't even remember falling asleep. Later that day, while my mom is at work, she's telling her co-worker the story, and the co-worker says that when you keep someone's ashes, you're supposed to keep them somewhere that people gather, like a living room. Since this incident... My brother now keeps my sister's ashes in his living room, in a beautiful urn, on a shelf next to her picture, with a candle that's always lit, electronically. A few years before she passed, she and I would watch ghost adventures religiously, and we vowed that when one of us passed away first, that person would haunt the shit out of the other. I find it funny that she used my brother to scare the shit out of his girlfriend, who didn't know about our agreement from years before. appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode. But if you don't already know, I upload new episodes every Friday night, so be sure to join me. I'm so appreciative to everyone who shared their stories, and also to everyone for listening. Without any of you, there just isn't a show. So thank you so much. There's lots of new and exciting things happening with The Darkest Hour. I'll be making some announcements in the coming weeks, one thing I'll say is, if you haven't checked out Mr. Revenant on YouTube, be sure to. He's a great narrator, and you just might hear a familiar voice soon. 
And if you haven't checked out my latest compilation video, you should. It's about three hours and I think you'll love it. Speaking of love, remember, if you love the darkest hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tap the notification bell. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, darkest hour at gmail.com. Also, check out our subreddit and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at The Darkest Hour YT. Stay spooky.